Defense Department's massive JEDI contract has cleared its first bid protest hurdle, but the cloud computing project is nowhere out of the woods. The Government Accountability Office ruled in DOD's favor in a challenge filed by Oracle, but it still needs to decide another pre-award protest. And the contract is almost certain to face more legal challenges after DOD finally makes an award. Lauren Breyer is an attorney who specializes in government contracts for the Federal Practice Group. She spoke with Federal News Radio's Jared Serbu about the next steps. I felt like this was going to happen just because of the deference that's given to the government and their drafting of the requirements. They're given broad discretion. So here, I mean, the fact that they've made that decision to do a sole source award, I mean, that's within their discretion as long as they provided reasonable reasonable support. In the um, response to the protest, I mean, most likely GAO is going to rule in their favor. And, I mean, it looks like they did find reasonable support for the sole source, which most likely is bound up in the fact that it's a more secure way of going about the award. So, um, in that sense, they found reasonable support. They ruled in favor. And I think the the big issue is going to be at the the post-award protest level. That's when... um, the problems are going to start. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. But just to the deference point, I, I learned something new about the FAR reading the decision, which is that the government can get around the, the general preference for multiple awards if they can just simply make any kind of case, really, that uh, multiple awards would not be, quote, in the best interest of the government, which is a very broad exemption. Right. And I think that's a, uh, one of the reasons why they're given such broad discretion is the GAO does want to trip up the government like in the early stages. Uh, I mean, they want these awards to go through as quickly as possible. And that's why there is that broad discretion that's given to the government in their drafting of their requirements in the early stages and why it is so challenging to file a pre-award protest. Yeah. So what would have what would Oracle have needed to, to convincingly show in order to win a pre-award protest? And, and how are those those factors different in a post-award? At the pre-award protest level, they really want to show that, um, I mean, the requirements are unreasonable. I do think Oracle made some really good um, challenges, especially on the conflict of interest piece. But um, unfortunately, the conflict of interest piece is a easier, well, I don't want to say easier argument, but a more challengeable argument at the post-award protest level. And I know that two representatives um, of Congress also raised this concern that, um, you know, it was catered to one company specifically that's already been doing work for the government and that there was a conflict of interest there. Um, But at the post-award protest level, you want to challenge the evaluation of the proposal. So it's easier to show almost like an impaired objectivity or some type of bias on the evaluation of the proposals when it's a little more tricky to show that that it's built in or the bias is built into the draft of the requirements themselves. So it kind of opens up at the post-award level that you can show that the evaluation, there's a conflict there. Um, versus a conflict in the requirements themselves, which is harder to challenge because there is such broad discretion in the drafting. Yeah, and, and GAO sort of said that at the very end of the opinion. They 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 say we're you know the issue of of conflict. And just to explain to folks what the what the main conflict we're talking about here is, Oracle had asserted that one of the people who had been working on drafting the requirement and preparing the procurement had later gone on to work for Amazon Web Services. So theoretically, giving them a leg up and understanding what what DoD's 
actual needs would be. And as I as I understand it, GAO said that issue is just not ripe. Um, come talk to us exactly. if if and when <laughs> if and when AWS wins, which which almost read like an invitation to to come file a post award protest. Or am I reading too much into that? Right. No. No. That makes sense. I mean, if you think about it, at this time, it's just allegations of conflict. Um, and that's why at the post-award level, it's such a, a stronger argument to make because you, you can actually show the objectivity in the evaluation of the proposals. Um, or it's much easier to show than versus saying, well, we have allegations of a conflict and you can kind of see them built into these requirements. But again, the government's given broad discretion in those requirements, so it's extremely hard to show that at the pre-award level. Not to say that a conflict doesn't exist, but it's much easier. Well, it's easier to show it at the post-award protest level. Yeah, and if I read the GAO decision right, that they essentially said, even if there was a conflict of interest here, it doesn't really matter. We're not going to tell the government how to develop its requirements, even if it was conflicted. Right, right. That's that's right on. Um, I, I completely agree with that. I, I mean, it, it's just, it's very challenging to show that uh, there is a conflict built into the requirements, especially if they're drafted in accordance with law. Again, it's going to have to be a glaring conflict at the evaluation level. I mean, there's no award yet, so you can't say that there's a conflict if the conflicted person has or conflicted company hasn't actually even received the award. I mean, what's to say that another company doesn't get it at this point? It's not worth enough to go back and then re, you know, reissue the solicitation if there's no actual challenge that you know is ripe at that point. So, I mean, you can't say that there's a conflict until there is an award. Right. Um, just getting back to our earlier point about uh, GAO being deferential here. As far as I know, Oracle hasn't said one way or the other whether they're going to take this to the Court of Federal Claims. But if they do, is there any history of, of the court being less deferential to the government than GAO in these kinds of uh, pre-award protests? Um, I mean, it, it, it kind of depends. I think that they'll do a fair evaluation. I, I honestly think that Oracle would be best serviced by not appealing the pre-award protest, but actually waiting and filing a post-award. I think that they'll most likely have stronger arguments on the evaluation process. And you know, if they do believe there is a conflict of interest, arguing on impaired objectivity, organizational conflicts of interest or bias, and also unequal access to information is a common um, challenge. If they believe that Amazon you know, is in an unfair position, um, it's, it's possible that they might have been receiving some type of information ahead of other um, offerers. And so that, you know, again, that's another argument that you can raise. I think they would have, you know, stronger post-award protest challenge challenges than to spend time, you know, before the Court of Federal Claims on arguments that, you know, the government's given broad discretion on. And the the big argument that most of the non-Amazon vendors have been making up until this point is that this procurement has always appeared to them to be tailored to Amazon. I mean, separate and apart from the conflict of the alleged conflict of interest issues we've been talking about, mm-hmm. d- does that that kind of claim that this was tailored for one vendor um, have any more likelihood of a success at the at the post award stage? Um, I, yes, I think it does. I mean, again, just pointing out those you know three major challenges that are often raised for conflicts of interest: if there's impaired objectivity, bias, unequal access to information. I mean, the the one thing that it, it does benefit the government is Microsoft. I believe now is in line um, for accomplishing the secret and top secret clearance requirements. Mm-hmm. So r- right now, there's actually two companies that are you know viable for award at this point. 
Um, so, I mean, that, that does help um, the evaluation process by having two companies instead of one. One of the many reasons why the Jedi procurement is not completely out of the woods here, Lauren, is that not only might there be pre-award protest—I mean, post-award protests—there's still another pending pre-award protest filed by IBM. I think we know a lot less about what IBM's claiming there than we knew about Oracle. But is there any reason to believe they'll have any more success than Oracle did at this stage? Um, my assumption is that the proposal that they submitted, and then as well as the pre-award protest that they're challenging is in line with uh, the protest that was filed by Oracle and is most likely to get denied as well by the GAO. I mean, they're challenging the same type of requirements that are set into the solicitation. I think, again, that they would be um, more successful at a post-award protest once we get to that point. That's Lauren Breyer, an attorney at the Federal Practice Group, speaking with Federal News Network's Jared Serbu. Be sure to check out his story at federalnewsnetwork.com.